Well, one of my favorite aspects of the story and, and what you did in, in the draft that I read anyway, um, uh, it, it's, you have the monsters with, you know, the tentacle, you know, faces and you have all that stuff that people, people know. But the thing that like is the most disturbing to me is how, is how time is different Yeah, there. And to me, that's like the stuff that really stuck with me where they, you know, they go to sleep one night and then they wake up and it's been like what, a month. Yeah. A month. And they're all haggard and gaunt and everybody's like, what the hell just happened? Well, yeah. The, 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 the idea was if these guys use time as a tool. Yeah. I mean, if they are indeed godlike, okay, yeah. they would they would use time. They would be used. They would be able to use time. Mm. So imagine that you have a, a reservoir of time to use an, analo- an analogy, mm-hmm. and it broke because there was a rebellion, and now there's a spilled uh, time continuum distortion that is erratic. Mm-hmm. So you could be facing a creature, and you close your eyes, you blink for one second, and you blinked for a week. Yeah. You're out. Yeah. And it really was a really good source of horror. Well, Hard to portray in any other type well, of movie. Well, and you did something interesting, which I'm, I'm not sure if was in the book. I don't think it was, um, where they were, it was using the time the ice kept trapping the, yes. the, uh, the Arkham, right? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and that's be- not in the book. Yeah, because, because as fast as they were breaking it, the time... You yeah. know, was so sped up that they yeah. were breaking it and it was instantly yeah. reforming mm-hmm. and they were trapped. In front of their eyes, yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I found interesting about the way that you, you created this kind of quantum bubble chunk of Antarctica that exists but doesn't exist is that it, it, it paves over the issues that we have being 80 years later and that entire area has been explored, it's been scouted. They, they end up in this this thing that could, in our space, take up a... A fragment of a crack, mm-hmm. uh, you know, th- using an Einstein Rosen bridge to go to this other world place. Well, there was there was also the um, uh, what what always intrigued me is the um, the anecdote of Admiral Byrd mm-hmm. uh, flying into a tropical zone in Antarctica, which has been documented. Some people say it, say it was a fugue of uh, of the mind mm-hmm. that happened when oxygen was too low, but Admiral Byrd. A thoroughly respected mm-hmm. explorer, uh, you know, uh, related that he was flying in Antarctica, and he basically all of a sudden found himself in a bubble in Antarctica that was completely tropical, yeah. and that then he flew out of it, and he was never able to locate it. Mm-hmm. So you know, uh, I, I always thought that's interesting because uh, Charles Ford. And used to posit in his books, uh, essentially, in a very quiet way, he used to say the world is much stranger than we give it credit for. And myself, having experienced uh, twice a ghostly oral, uh, you know, oral in terms of sound. I don't yeah. Wanna, I don't want to. <laughs> not Dan and Ghostbusters oral. I don't want to get my accent to sound <laughs> disrespectful, <laughs> you know, a, a, a ghost encounter where I heard ghosts twice, and having seen one UFO in my life, mm-hmm. I know the world is a stranger yeah. than, than we think. And, and I think that that was the thing about the um, screenplay on mountains was the arrogance, the arrogance of the, the main antagonist. One of the explorers believed science could do anything. Yeah. Well, hopefully, is you know, hopefully, us talking to you about this isn't isn't uh, 
spiking the PTSD, but is, is maybe a, a, a bit of therapy. We, you've talked about Tom Cruise a bit. Um, we'd love to talk to you a bit about, about casting. Uh, I, I have a feeling that Ron Perlman was in mind for Larson yeah, yeah. in the version of the script that, yeah, that yeah. I read. Um, who else, who else has been in the mix? Who else has been in mind? You know, people who are in mind for Dyer before, I'm assuming Tom was going to play Dyer and yeah. not, and not uh, Lake. I, I, Lake, I, I spoke very, I mean, I gave the screenplay to Michael Sheen mm. for Lake and Michael, we, we had a lunch and, or dinner. We had a dinner in Santa Monica and he said I, he wanted to do it. I think he's a fabulous actor. Yeah, that's one uh, of the most complex characters in, yeah? the, in the script. You know, yeah. it, it, he's somebody who could easily come off as a villain. Uh, yeah, well, he, but, but you understand him. He, he's a great character, and, and he has this uh, sort of second layer that is very perverse, mm -hmm. uh, in which he's a guy interested in dominating, you know? And, and manipulating. Manipulating, yeah. There was an iteration in which there was the last screenplay. I know the one you read is where uh, uh, the Lake had a sister, and uh, no, yeah, and Dyer was Dyer and the sister were not in love. There was not a love story properly, but it was a very, very strange gothic. Uh, yeah. thing. The, the one we read, the only female presence in it whatsoever is Dyer's wife who is pregnant. Yeah, who, who, who dies while he's away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and, and uh, Lake keeps that from him. Yeah, yeah. And, and reveals yeah. it at a the absolute worst time, moment, probably. Yeah. 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 Well, that, 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 that's a really interesting friendship for me. Yeah. That these guys have gone through the ranks. There was always the, the problem of class. Mm. Lake was a uh, born with a silver spoon, mm. you know, and Dyer was, and and you know what we did is we went through them, because in in the in the book uh, it's very hard to know the names, mm. but it, it, it takes a little bit of a detective work to <laughs> break down the characters, and some of them some of them are accurate to the book, some of them are not. Yeah, but because um, in the book, like Lake is is like the he's in the 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 first yes. the first group that goes yeah. out. And yeah. And, and you, you you invented Gordon, but yeah. a lot of the names, even From though Gordon the, Pym, yeah, the, a lot of the other names were just you know repurposed, moved around. Yes, um, uh, Gedney is a newsman now, and he was uh, an engineer. Yes, something like that. Yeah, and uh, he didn't have a, a little brother in the, no. the book. And that's one of my favorite sequences. Not my, that, that. That, when you ask me what scene do I want to see the most, is yeah. the one where the, the Gedney sees his brother appear in the window. Yeah. And, 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 and appear again and again and again. That was a very scary, I thought, probably the most scary moment. That and, I don't know if yours had the, what we call the crawling horror, the thing that crawled in the corridors of the ship. No. A thing without operating. Tell us about yeah. the crawling horror. Well, it, it, was, it, was a, 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 it was a very nice design. You know, uh, it was one of the shoggoths trying to imitate a human, but it was not completely formed. Hmm. It was very interesting. In what way? Like what? So it was half human and half. Well, half not formed. Yeah. So it was almost like a, a, an elongated mass of flesh on top and mm -hmm. just two legs at the bottom. Well, and that that like goes to. Uh, uh, Do you remember any other uh, people you were thinking about for for the uh, well the characters? Ron uh, Sheen, yeah, and 
you know, there's a list of actors I always like. Yeah. You know, I, I always, I liked uh, John C. Riley. Mm. you know. Uh, I had my list back then. No, it was really, it really, I think casting the movie would have been quite great. At least in the draft that we read, you, one thing that I really loved is that everybody who has done something that's uh, Lovecraftian or you know, or a direct adaptation or, you know, or just something inspired by has never really been able to pull off uh, Cthulhu, right? They've never done that giant, massive scope thing. It's, it's you know, even talking about, you know, the thing that's more the Shoggoth and, you know, and that kind of stuff. Well, and you I'm, actually, very, I'm very happy of the image <clears throat> we did on Hellboy. Yeah. Oh, in, very, in, very which, true. in which you have the thunder clouds. Yes. And then the, the thunder, illumin the lightning illuminates the shapes in yeah. the clouds, well, and that gives it scale. And Kevin, uh, yeah, I, th I think there's still a wet spot in the Paramount Theater from when you showed that at South by Southwest because yeah. I, I kind of lost my mind. Yeah, no, it, it was it was a really nice <coughs> way to convey scope. If, if the clouds, yeah, and I've seen that image now in a couple of places, mm. which I'm happy about. A little Stranger <laughs> uh, Things season two. Well, you know, but 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 yeah. the duffers are good good pals yeah and uh, when they did the first one they said we're gonna do a little bit of uh, pan's labyrinth on the on the creature and we're gonna do a little bit of uh, the floating pollen from pans <laughs> and uh, going through the wood and i said do you, i hope you don't mind i said i don't mind at all i'm yeah. very happy yeah. you know i tried to i sort of mentored them for a little bit at warner's when they were trying to get their first feature mm -hmm. launched you know and and uh they are really, really smart guys. I mean, yeah. I, I, I adore them. Yeah, no, I'm a huge Stranger Things fan. Uh, you know, I, I love their voice, and I, I've never met them, but in interviews, they seem like my kind Very of dudes. Very nice guys. Um, but you know, the, the point, the point being, is that you actually have, you know, you actually have him show up, you know, in in this, and like he has a moment. He, of course, it's not like a. It's uh, not. It's not mythos accurate. Yeah. Because in in theory, in theory, Cthulhu is on the South Seas. Yeah. <laughs> he shouldn't be doing anything. Yeah. Uh, that 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 further south. Yeah. You know, but he's in the warmer, tropical. <laughs> yeah. Areas, but. But you kind of. I, I thought it was beautiful. I thought it it was really beautiful to see the scope at the end. You know. Well, and you need Be that because you never know what they see through the window. Of course, yeah. Through the porthole, you know. Yeah. Well, and, and you kind of you need that you need that uh, punctuation mark when you're asking an audience to come and experience all this really like crazy stuff. There has to be that that payoff. Mm -hmm. There, ha you see the the shagath, you know, praying and, and chanting and, and conjuring, you know, and, and summoning this thing. It's like you ha there has to be that moment, and I I really I really like the balance in in the draft that we read. Like well, I really like it. I liked it. I liked it also because at the end of the day, I thought okay. You know, it may be too glib hmm. to do it, but I, I thought uh, if you think of that universe, that's the only payoff you can. <laughs> yep. that, 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 that's you're gonna end up with them seeing something that drives their their hair white. You know, yep. it's gonna be a thing of that size. You know, it's something uh, something just yeah, mind breaking. You have to yeah. see a little something mind breaking. Um, can you talk a little bit about the look of the movie and what you were what you had envisioned, like who you wanted to shoot it, like did you have 
did you start like well it was going to be a very very stark and what I thought was interesting was to make it like a sepia film you know yeah Uh, Mm. but but if it makes sense also in grays and steels uh, it was the sepia film was America Mm. and the parting yeah all the first part was going to be sort of uh, almost a little golden Mm. and then as it went into the second phase it was going to become a black and white movie mm. and why, what I mean by that is what's going to be still grays grays I was thinking of the Alaska uh, Malamuth the, the dogs mm-hmm. in the sled and I thought they are black and white and it would be great to make the ship um, dark steel against the white eyes black furs black uniforms black uh, tan, mm-hmm. like gray tent not use any color know and then go to the city and have iridescence you mm-hmm. know so it contrasts with the rest and so on and so forth you know what about the color scheme of the uh, of the shoggoth and and all well that stuff? I, I i thought that curiously the color came with the city and with the shoggoth yeah you know one of the things we experimented in the maquettes was the iridescence mm-hmm. and the iridescence and then the you could see like i remember the the cover of the pulp magazine uh, with the shoggoths being translucent with these eyeballs mm-hmm. and you could see all the organs through the translucency of the protoplasm you know yeah. and, and, and I thought that's the look for, for them they need uh-huh. to be translucent yeah. with the, uh, the elder things um, there are very strong opinions about exactly how they should be depicted uh, among Lovecraft fans. Mm-hmm. W- what did you feel you had to, uh, you had to stick to design wise, and what did you feel like you had to do so that it would read well cinematically? Well, the only I mean, there is there is a source that is fantastic that is Lovecraft's own drawing. You know, now Lovecraft is a, me- a phenomenal writer. I'm not sure he's a phenomenal designer, but. Mm-hmm. What as a fan, I gotta take it like the Bible. Mm. So what we did is we solved it beautifully by reproducing exactly Lovecraft's drawing. Mm. But then that's one mode, and then there are things that are folded within that design mm. that can come out. If anything, you know, we talked about there needing to be a love story and the collegial relationship between uh, between professors and, and grad students and so on. In rereading the story, I I almost read Dyer and Danforth as lovers. Well, they they are they are meant to be uh, this. You know, I, I I was saying the model was Gallipoli. Mm-hmm. You know. Where that's the love story. The love story is two friends that absolutely grew together, grew mm. up together, and they don't want to be, uh, you know, they 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 don't want to see any of them fall into a dire destiny, you know, and and I I think that's that's uh, almost like a western, you know, sort of uh, romance as they say now, mm-hmm. but but it it's not. Um, is that's the th- the thing for me? That's what what sustains it. The mm. Carpenter's movie that there is when people say they are the same characters. I go, no, I see friendships. I mm-hmm. actually do see friendships, you know. Mm. And I see rough guys, but Carpenter has always had this western 
uh, sort of frame of mind. He's that's that's why to me Carpenter is one of the most American filmmakers mm -hmm. ever, along with Hawks and a few others. He is completely American. Yeah, well, and and uh, but but you're exactly right, and it's that bonding. The the reason why we care about you know the people dying or who's infected and who's not in that is because we like them even if we don't like them you know it's like it's like there, there are certain certain characters in there that that you're like ooh, i bet he's a thing and then you know he's not you know it's like you know i, I love i love how he plays with that and you know well, for brimley yeah he breaks my heart <laughs> yeah when you see the noose through yes. the through the doorway yes. or through the <laughs> i'm all better now yeah but but, but that, that's what i mean how who i mean the, the thing about uh Uh, well, I, I, we, we've talked a lot about what your vision was for the, the movie, um, but we haven't really talked about uh, what you were thinking in terms of audio. Because so much, like, some, my favorite stuff, the stuff that stuck with me as a kid reading Lovecraft was, like, the descriptions of the musical notes, you know, blowing, you know, the wind blowing through the... And the Michaela Lee. Yeah, yeah. And, and all yeah. that, you know, yeah, just the language is so specific. You know, it's almost, not saying it's comparative to Klingon, but Klingon has a very harsh, specific thing. And I, like, well, but we've never, like, reading this, like, I still probably can, couldn't pronounce half of what I read. Well, I think that, 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 uh, 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 sad as it may sound, we never got that far. Yeah. <laughs> but n even in your mind, you didn't, you didn't have No, I knew, I knew, of... I knew that the description was going to be, uh, I read somewhere in an interview, um, somebody described it as wind instruments. Mm. And that sounded really accurate because uh, in the narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym, which inspired H.P. Lovecraft, you know, uh, is the cry of birds. Mm. So, you know, I think uh, you get this idea that is musical in, in nature, yeah. that is wind in nature. It's obviously not percussion, obviously <laughs> yeah. not horns. Obviously not uh, marimba, you know. <laughs> so it's gonna be some form of wind instrument. It, 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 is that how you think the the score would have been too? Would it have been mirrored no, or would yeah, it have counted? All I know is I wanted Howard Shore <coughs> yeah. to do the score. Oh Jesus! Ugh. And we talked, <laughs> we talked a little bit about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, and people know him from his Lord of the Rings stuff, and he can do the thematic things, but his yeah. Cronenberg work is like uh, well, I, astonishing. Uh, so and I, I think some of the fitting. The Minds of Moria Q mm. is very Lovecraftian, and and that episode uh, on the first uh, movie is very very Lovecraftian mm. in a way. I think even if it's you know the whole episode in in the Minds of Moria is really quite Lovecraftian. In in looking at finding ways to to make uh, wind music, woodwind, as it were, sound different, were you interested in looking at? At putting that, putting that kind of air through, you know, non-standard types of things like you know, church organ pipes, and you know, doing never using that, different never materials, anything far. like that. Never went that far. I mean, I wish we had, but we never went that far. I yeah. mean, I think uh, if we look, look, the way I calculate things is a year and a half of pre-production. We were gonna open offices and pre-produce for another six months. Hmm. That means 
you essentially this movie would have taken me three years yeah maybe four so you know we were caught so early yeah and so late at the same time the the one music thing that that is specifically called out in the script that i wanted to ask you about that would it survive into a future version of the movie is uh, Jesse Matthews' 1927 version of My Heart Stood Still. Yeah. What, what was it that was so essential about that specific song? Because you're very, you're very specific about music like it's, that. It's very melancholic. I mean, it's mm-hmm. really eerie. It's really quite, uh, you know, it's like the music in Shape of Water. I spend uh, nine months selecting mm. every needle drop and every cue and every mm, uh, clip that we saw, you know? So I remember the specificity of it uh, was that uh, it is sort of a, all the all all the music from the period has a sense of loss that is very creepy, very mm-hmm. creepy. In all the Tim Pan Alley also compositions, they have it's all very <coughs> post stock market crash or right around well, the, the it, crash. It is. It has when you see a movie like Pennies from Heaven. There is a sense of doom <laughs> in the love songs, and that's the idea in that song. Uh, beyond music and beyond the the wind sounds, acoustically, d- did you did you feel like the sound design of of the city was going to be particularly unique in a way, in terms of the way that that sound well, played off the surfaces? If you, if you remember, the I don't know if it's in the screenplay you read, but if you remember, we had moments in which. The, the wind would go through the tunnels mm-hmm. and it would howl. Yeah. You know, woo, you know, it pushes all the air, the Antarctic air through basically an organ. Mm-hmm. The city is an organ. It's like a wind instrument. And the whole city w- almost breathed, you know. So, yeah, that was, that was annotated in the page. 